podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The Two-Footed Podcast is brought to you by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. A virtual privacy network allows you to go online, change your location, access things you're geo-blocked from, while keeping your data safe. So, as an example, if you are a UK expat and want access to BBC iPlayer to watch Match of the Day or ITV Hub or all four, but you get that message that says this content is not available in your location, a Liberty Shield VPN gets you around that block, allows you to watch whatever you want on those services while also keeping your data safe. And it goes further than that. It allows you to open up Netflix's entire library by just changing your IP address. Liberty Shield is the number one rated VPN provider on Trustpilot with five-star ratings across the board. So go to libertyshield.com right now, use the code EPL25, and get either the hardware package or the software package. The hardware package is a router that you plug into your existing router, and any item you want to change the IP address on, be it your phone or your television, you connect that to the new Liberty Shield router. All other items can remain connected to your existing router. There's also a software package, which is instantly downloadable to your device, and you can get using straight away. Again, libertyshield.com, EPL25 for 25% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk and do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops, which you'll find on Etsy. Use the codes EPL10 or RED10 for 10% off at checkout. And lastly, do remember to check out a tad predictable hosted by Tadiwa. That podcast is on this feed before every Premier League match week. And then the EPL Roundtable, hosted by Kevin DeVries, on its own EPL Roundtable feed. So just search EPL Roundtable in your podcast device. And that's out after every match week. Now, on with the show. What's good, boys and girls? Two-footed podcast. Today is Tuesday, the 21st of November. I hope you're all well. Weather update. Dry but overcast. We'll take it. We'll take it in the final third of November. Absolutely we'll take it, considering it rained all year long. Uh, Right, today it is power rankings, so we're going to go through the right wing position. But first, I was listening to J.J. Reddick's podcast, The Old Man and the Three, and he had this concept of the Batman, the Robin, and the Alfred for NBA teams, and I thought, I'll rob that, and I'll do it for Premier League teams, because, you know, there's no games on, we need a bit of content. So, your Batman and your Robin are largely generally going to be attacking players, and your Alfred 
or or a great defender or a great goalkeeper potentially, your Alfred is basically going to be like a facilitator type, a guy who fills in the blanks and does a bit of everything else. So let's have a look at this. Manchester City, we're going to go top to bottom and we'll just fly through. Manchester City, Batman has got to be Erling Haaland. I think Robin, the sidekick, really has to be Kevin De Bruyne. The Alfred, I think, is Bernardo Silva. He's the one that sort of links everything together and makes it all work. You could go Rodri. And as I say that, I think I would go Rodri. So we'll switch to Rodri. Uh, Liverpool. The Batman is Salah. I think the Robin is Virgil van Dijk. I think it's Virgil van Dijk. And the Alfred then, the one that kind of fills the gaps is Alison Becker. He's the reliable, trustworthy, always there one. Arsenal. Batman is Saka. Robin is probably Odegaard. It could be Martinelli. I think I'd go Odegaard. And Declan Rice is their Alfred. Tottenham. Batman is obviously Son. Robin is Madison. I think their Alfred is probably now Vicario. You could go Basuma. He's been great this year. But I think I'd go Vicario. It can't be Christian Romero on the basis of, I can't trust you to play 35, 36 league games a season because you're going to get suspended. You're probably going to get injured at some point. So I'll go Vicario. Aston Villa. Batman is Musa Diaby. Robin is Ollie Watkins. Alfred is Douglas Luiz. I've been thinking about teams of the season so far recently because everybody's doing theirs because the international break. I'm going to do mine tomorrow. But a spoiler, Douglas Luiz is in my team of the season so far. The more I dig into it, the more I look at all the different midfield options. So often we go to the teams who are first, second, third, and we pick players from there. So, so often we go for Rodri. He's the best midfield player in the league outside of his teammate, Kevin De Bruyne. KDB hasn't played yet this year. So, you know, Rodri must be the best in the league so far this season. But he did miss two games because he was suspended. He's had one or two shaky games. He wasn't great against Chelsea. He misses out for me. Douglas Luiz, yes, there's been one or two games where he hasn't been great, but he hasn't been suspended at all. He's been very consistent. He's scoring goals. He's creating goals. He's knitting it all together in that midfield for Villa. So he's the Alfred. Manchester United, Batman is Bruno. Robin should be Rashford. Rashford hasn't really turned up this season. 
there is no Alfred in that team. There's no real Robin because Rashford's been poor, but it would be Rashford. But there is no Robin in that team. Now, last season, Casemiro would have had a good claim, but this season he's off a cliff, so they don't actually have an Alfred. There's nobody that I can look at outside of their two best players and think, reliably, you're going to be a minimum of 7 out of 10. You're going to do a lot of the dirty work. Newcastle, slightly different situation here, where their best player is Bruno Gomeris, who's a holding midfielder for them. Robin is Isak. He's injured at the moment. In his absence, the wingers have stepped up to their credit, but there's not enough goals yet. Their Alfred is Botman, but he's been injured. So that's why Newcastle are a little bit up and down right now. They're Robin and they're Alfred. Both aren't there. So you've got Batman trying to do it all himself. And as we've seen in the movies, when Batman tries to do it all himself, it doesn't always work out. Sometimes he gets his ass kicked. Brighton. Batman is Matoma. Robin is Evan Ferguson. Alfred is Pascal Gross. And it was actually yesterday I was thinking about Pascal Gross. And then I heard the JJ Reddick podcast. And then that's kind of where I got going with this train of thought. Uh, West Ham United, Batman. I think it's Paqueta. And I think Bowen is Robin. The Alfred this season, because of the service he's provided, it's probably been James Ward-Prowse. But he's not a reliable 7 out of 10 kind of player. Take out the set pieces, and he's largely a 5 and 6 out of 10. Edson Alvarez, though, has stepped up. Ariola has been excellent, but I'll go, I'll go Edson Alvarez. Chelsea. There is no Batman at Chelsea. And that's why they're struggling. There's no best player at Chelsea. It will be in Kunku when fit. Sterling is, is a Robin more so than a Batman. He's your secondary guy. If he's the second or third best player in your team, you're going to be doing fairly well. If he's the best player in your team, you end up in this situation. They have a bunch of potential Alfreds, Caicedo, Enzo, it will probably land on Enzo. But for now, nobody's stepping up to that plate. And again, this is why we're seeing them struggle. Brentford are the unmade Robin spin-off, where Batman is unavailable and Robin gets his own show. Because Batman is Ivan Tony, and Bomo is Robin. Alfred is Matthias Jensen. He does a little bit of everything for them, provides a consistent supply of good chances from open play and set pieces, pops up with the odd goal when needed. But overall, the movie's not working as well as it should work because Batman's not there. Uh, Wolves. 
Neto is Batman. Cunha is Robin. Nobody as yet has stepped up to the plate to be Alfred. Now, Lamina at times can be that player, but every so often he does throw in a bit of a stinker. Nuri has the talent to be that guy, but it's, he's a left back. He can only influence the game so much because he doesn't have like Trent's range of passing. He doesn't have, or, or Reese James's all round range of skills. He doesn't have that level as a fullback. Bubakar Traore could be that player, but again, not quite there. So the one I'm going to go with here is Max Kilman. Now, with Wolves, obviously, their Batman is currently at injured, which is unfortunate, but Wolves are still getting results. Uh, Crystal Palace, Eze is Batman, Olise is Robin, and Dekure is your Alfred. Nottingham Forest, it's very clearly a one e is the Batman. Gibbs White is Robin, though I do think Gibbs White is their best player. A one e is the leading man there. As an Alfred, Danilo, now that he's fit, will fill that role. Fulham. Joao Polina is the Batman. He's a defensive midfielder. He's their best player. I think Andreas Pereira is probably the Robin. That you could make a case for William. Tim Ream. Tim Ream or Burnt Leno? I'll go Burnt Leno. Because Tim Ream, although he's been very good since they came up, he does get some injury problems and he does twin the odd stinker. There's certain types of forwards that cause him problems. I'll go Burnt Leno. Bournemouth. Uh, see, Solanke's not a Batman. Solanke's not your leading guy. I think Oatara would be their leading guy. I think he's the one the team should be built to get the best of. He hasn't gained the trust of the manager yet. I don't know if that's he doesn't train well or if he's carrying an injury or what the situation is, but he would be the Batman. Solanke would be the Robin. And Alex Scott will be the Alfred. Now, Tyler Adams is probably the more natural fit in that role, given he's a bit older, he's more experienced, he has that leadership edge, and he does a lot of dirty work. But Alex Scott's a special player. Uh, Luton. Carlton Morris is the Batman. Ross Barkley's probably the Robin. And Alfie Doughty's the the Alfred, which will tell you why they're in the position they're in. Sheffield United. Cameron Archer's the Batman. Gustavo Hammer is probably the Robin. And Vinny uh, Sosa is the, is the Alfred, the one that does the dirty work, always consistent, always reliable, gets through the most work. Again, Cameron Archer hasn't gotten the goals that you would have hoped, but he's not getting the supply you would hope. And neither are Hammer. Hammer's been used, obviously, in a bit more of an advanced role. and it's It works at times. It doesn't work at other times. But we know that they're not quite, you know, they're not quite good enough. Um, 
ideally you'd want to knock everybody down one you'd want a, or you'd want to bring in one in between them and have hammer as more of your alfred facilitator type um and have the other two then as your kind of main man and your support star everton amadou onana is the batman there he that, that team goes with him as when, when he's at his best that team functions really well your Robin is Jared Branthwaite. Again, that team goes as he goes. He's a young defender. When he has some poor games, they struggle. When he makes a mistake, it can be costly. But he is very, very good, and he does raise the ceiling. Your Alfred, I think, is probably Dwight McNeil. I don't know if he's been consistent enough for them, though. Maybe you just go James Tarkovsky and leave it at that. And for Burnley, there is no Batman. There's no Batman at Burnley. There's a whole bunch of lads with applications in to be Robin. A whole bunch of them. A clatter of them. There's also no Alfred. Alfred. There's nobody who's established themselves. Koliosu looks the most likely to be the Robin. Odebert is another one with, with real potential there, but they're not your leading guy. But there's also no Alfred. There's no one in that team. Brownhill at times, Berg at times. There's no one I can look at and think, I know you're going to be 7 out of 10 this week. I know you're going to be 7 out of 10. You look at all the other clubs, they all have that one guy, or most of them have that one guy who's a 7 out of 10 every week, who's reliable, they don't have that. And that's why they are where they are. So there's that. That was fun. We're going to take an early break today. We're going to come back and we're going to go right wingers. Best in the Premier League. Best in the world. Best all time. And then just my own five favourites. And then we'll do the news and the gossip and we'll be done. So I will see you after this. Right, welcome back. So, right-wingers, we're going to work right-wing, central midfield, defensive midfield, attacking midfield. We're going to do them them as different positions. Uh, then we'll do, obviously, left-wing, and then we'll, we'll do strikers, but I might do two different types of strikers, like a, a target man nine, center forward type and then strikers as well like the way we did you know right center back left center back and sweeper um so yeah overall this might end up being 12 13 positions it would be uh but that's what we're going to do just because why not it's fun uh we'll do managers as well and we might even get into a little bit of sporting director action uh, after that. But right wingers for today. Premier League first. Mohamed Salah is number one. There's just no need to discuss it. He's number one. He's number one by a considerable margin. After that, it gets a bit interesting because I think this group is actually very closely bunched. So I've got one player who I think most people might have a bit higher, but I've got him eighth. And I'll, when I get to him, I'll explain why. So number two, I've got Bikayo Saka. I do think he is an outstanding footballer. Not quite world-class, but
but certainly the potential to be world-class. Number three, I've gone Pedro Neto. I, I get that that's a little bit of recency bias because he's been brilliant to start this season. But I think when he's been fit over the last few years, he has been absolutely tremendous. Now, I prefer him as a left winger. I think that's where you will get the best of Pedro Neto. But he does play predominantly on the right for Wolves under Gary O'Neill. So we're going to play, put him in as a right winger. And I've got him number three. Number four, I've gone Jared Bowen. And again, that's heavily influenced by what he's done this season. He was poor last year, but the two seasons before that, he was pretty good. A consistent goal threat. And I feel like his, while there's players below him whose best game is considerably better than his, I feel like his worst game is better than their worst game. With Jared Bowen, he's sort of six to eight out of ten. That's kind of the range on him. You will get as many sixes as eights, but he rarely drops below a six and a ten. Some of these others are capable of nines and tens, which he isn't. However, they're also capable of threes, fours, and fives, which you just don't really get from him. At number five, I've gone Dejan Kulisewski. I love his dribbling ability. I love how confident he is carrying the ball. The decision-making is still a work in progress, but I felt like him and Pedro Porro were developing a, a real chemistry down that right side uh, in the early goings of the season, and I'm excited to see that continue. Number six, I've got Musa Diaby. Obviously, very talented player. There are some games where he just disappears. But when he's on and when he's in, in the mood, he's an outstanding footballer. Uh, next up, very similar, Brian Mbomo. Really good player, influences the game in multiple ways. I'd like to see him be more ruthless in front of goal, be a little bit calmer maybe in certain situations. Though maybe it's the opposite. Maybe he doesn't need to be calmer. Maybe he's a little bit too relaxed sometimes. And he doesn't focus fully on the finish. But I think he's an excellent player. Number eight is Phil Foden. Now, there's a couple of things here. Number one, he doesn't always play right wing. He often plays left wing. He plays as a 10. He plays in central midfield. Number two, he's not always in the team. He's not a, an every game nailed on starter for City. So for those reasons, I've, I've knocked him down. Otherwise, I think he would be challenging Saka for number two. I think Phil Foden's an amazing footballer. Like, like Saka, not world-class, but certainly has the potential to get there. I don't know if he's really kicked on over the last couple of seasons at City. I think I was expecting him to be further ahead in his development because, like, people always forget, Foden's been around a long time now. And he's not like... With Saka... Saka's 21, just gone 22. Foden's 23. He'll be 24 at the end of the season. I would have liked to have seen him be further along in his development by now. Uh, he is... Yeah, Saka's just gone 22. So he's 18 months older than Saka. I would have wanted to see him be further ahead in his development than Saka is. Now, development is not linear, but still, I think... 
not that he's been badly managed because Pep has done a great job with him. But I do feel like if Pep had just committed to playing him, this is your position. This is where you're going to be every single game. I think he'd be further along now. I never understood the signing of Grealish because they had Foden. Never understood it. Now, I understand you can play one one side and one the other, but for me, Foden on the left was was the move. He's really good on the right, and if he's going to play on the right, then he should play on the right every game. But the problem is, when everybody else was fit, you had KDB, Rodri, and Gundogan that had to be the midfield three. You had to have Bernardo Silva in the team, and his best role when KDB is in the team is on the right-hand side, which meant Foden should have been on the left. And if they were going to be planning long-term, I would have been looking maybe for another right-winger rather than a Jack Grealish type. But that's by the by. Um, number nine, I've gone for Michael Elise. I think he has the talent to be much higher on this list. He's obviously missed the season so far. He came back in the last game against Everton. Consistency is the only thing I'm looking for him. Consistency. If he finds that, he's going to be a world-class player. He has the talent as with Saka, as with Foden, he's every bit as gifted as both of them. He's a better passer of the ball than either. He's better crosser than either. I think he might be the most talented player on this list outside of Mo Salah. Um, definitely one to keep an eye on. With him, it's it's literally just, he's missed a big chunk of the season and I want to see him consistently take over games. I want to see him become the Batman of that team. Now, whether he can do that with Eze there, I don't know. But I do feel like Eze would happily drop into that more Robin type of secondary role. But what both of them need is they need Palace to sign a reliable goal scorer because unfortunately, Odson Edward just hasn't been reliable enough. And Mateta is not a goal scorer. Uh, number 10 on this list, and this might surprise one or two, but I've gone Solly March. I think over the last, and I know he's injured now and it looks like he's going to be out for a while, but I, I think since, probably since the beginning of the season before last, he has taken his game up a level. And certainly since the Zerbi came in, he has been outstanding. Primarily at, at right wing, but he plays left wing, he plays left back, he plays wing back on either side. He'll fill in in central midfield. Solly March is just a really good footballer, a really clever footballer. Now, is he good enough to start for big six team? No, no, he's not. He's not that level of player, but he's a great player for a mid-table team. Ideally, for me, I would probably want them being one of my two or three subs that I reliably can call on or that I can swap into the team when I want to rest people. That's the role I would love Solly March in, that high-end squad player role. But over the last, until he got hurt from when De Zerbi arrived in till then, realistically, Salah, Sacco, Sacco, Saka, Salah, Saka, They're the only two you could say were definitely better than them over that period. They're the only two on this list. 
because Ebomo was a little bit up and down last season. Diaby was a little bit up and down last season. Kulisevsky had a bad run last year. Bowen was poor last season. Neto injuries, a bad Wolves team. He was up and down. Was obviously working his way back as well from that horrendous knee injury. Foden was very up and down last season. And Elise, because he's a young player, very up and down as well. Solly March was a consistent seven, sometimes eight last season. Solly March is a bit, a bit like Jared Bowen. Doesn't have Bowen's goal threat, though he does get his share. Maybe offers a little bit more creativity. I feel like Bowen, though, there's, there's a consistent goal threat that I don't get. That's why I would have him that bit higher that bit higher, and, and March where he is. I also don't think Solly March is going to get any better, which is why I have him below... Kulisewski, Diaby, Mbomo, Foden and Alise, all of whom have another level, maybe two to go up. Neto and Sacco, at least another level or two to go up. Um, some of these guys, like Saka, Neto, Foden and Alise, I would buy all the stock in them. I think all four of them have the potential to be genuine world-class players. Now, with Neto, I think more so as a left-winger than a right-winger. Diaby, I'm not as high on as some people. I think he's a very good player. I don't think he, I don't think he's got world-class potential. The same with Mbomo. Kulisevsky does, but he's so one-footed. All the others are very, very heavily left-footed as well, and it's a funny thing. Every one of these is left-footed. There are, there are no standout right-footed right-wingers in this league. None. Doku can play there, obviously. But he's better on the left. There's no standout right-footed right-winger in this league. There's no real standout left-footed left-winger either. And I don't like that. Part, that's part of why I want Neto playing on the left. But yeah, there's my list. Salah, Saka... Neto, Bowen, Kulisevsky, Diaby, and Bomo, Foden. I've explained why he's so low. Elise and March. Um, moving to the world stage. I've got Lionel Messi number one. Now, I know he doesn't always play right wing. In fact, you could probably say he rarely plays there anymore. But at PSG, he played from the right. For Barca, he largely played from the right, barring that spell as a false nine. I still think it's his best position. He still operates mostly in that right-hand channel, even if playing off a striker. That's still his region. So he's number one. Salah is two. I've gone Leroy Sané, three. Again, I prefer him on the left wing, but he does primarily play on the right for Bayern. Leroy Sané is, is an outstanding footballer. And his relationship with Harry Kane is blossoming brilliantly. And that's great news for Bayern. That partnership and understanding is developing very, very well. Uh, four, I've got Saka. Then it gets a little bit, hmm, questionable. Usman Dembele, number five. The talent is off the scale. Talent-wise, he's above Sané, he's above Saka. 
Performance-wise, he varies so wildly. His best game is better than anything Mikhail Saka is capable of. His best game as a right winger is better than anything Leroy Sané is capable of as a right winger. If Sané's best game on the left wing is every bit as good as Dembele's on the right, but we're talking about right wing here. The problem is when he's bad, he honks. He has some of the worst games you'll ever see from a player that talented. Either he just becomes disinterested or... I, I don't even know what else you could say. Maybe he, he he's he's too tired from playing video games all night. Whatever it is, he infuriates me, but there's no doubting the talent. Number six, I've gone Rodrigo of Real Madrid. Now, he, again, doesn't always play right wing, but that is his primary position when he's in the Real team. He's a very good player. He's a very, very good player. I think his best position is actually off a striker in a more centralised role, but he plays more right wing for Real. Uh, number seven, I've got Neto. Number eight, I've got Nico Gonzalez of Fiorentina. Just another very, very good player. Quite similar to Bowen in that he's that kind of primary goal, and Salah in that he's a primary goal threat playing off the right. I think his his ceiling and his talent level is above Bowen, so I've gone for him above Bowen. Bowen is then number nine and Kulisevsky is number 10. I don't think I have any big misses who aren't there. I mean, there's there's no one that screams at me that they belong in that list above the players I've picked. I did consider um I did consider Oyarzabal, but he doesn't always play right wing. Often plays left wing, and again I, I prefer him uh left wing can play through the middle. Kubo was one that I did consider. But I want to see more of him. Now Rafinha would have been in this top ten list if he was playing regularly enough. But he's in and out of that that Bar- Barca team because they shift shift shape, they play a back three, and he doesn't get in the team. Sometimes he's not the first choice because Lamine Yamal is getting games. He's just not ready for this list, but certainly one that will be on it in 12 months or so. Now, in my all-time list, I've broken two of my rules. Now, I did technically break one of them already when I put Trent in my all-time right-backs list by accident, but that is what it is. Uh, the two rules were no no current players and players who'd played 1970 and on that I'd seen at least 25 times. Now, this other guy, I've seen him 40, 50 times, but pre-1970. Tough games to find, let me tell you. But you'll know why he's in when I get to him. Number one is Lionel Messi. And I've just put him in because it would just be silly not to. Like, he is the best the best right winger that the game's ever seen. I know you can be pedantic about right wing versus inside forward and all that. I've just classified 
the the right flank as right wing. So some of them are midfielders that play wide on the right. Some of them are inside forwards that play on the right of a front three, whatever. Messi is Messi. Messi goes in. From there, number two is George Best, who I think is the most talented player the United Kingdom ever produced. Now, I'm also claiming him as Irish because he's from the island. Born in Belfast in 1946, joined Manchester United in 1961 to play in their academy. Made his first team debut two years later and was a sensation for them. Now, his career does tail off quite quickly. And obviously he leaves Manchester United at the age of 27, almost 28, um, because his lifestyle is just above and beyond what's tolerable uh, at a football club. But you look at the numbers he was putting up from a wide position. 67, 68, 32 goals. 68, 69, 22 goals. 69, 70, 23 goals. 70, 71, 22 goals. 71, 72, 27 goals. And then he falls off a cliff. Injuries, drinking, it just all gets bad very quickly. Um, He obviously won the Ballon d'Or in 1968, as well as the Football Writers Player of the Year. He would go on and play for Dunstable Town because he just walked away from football, really. Uh, Then Stockport. Imagine imagine a 28-year-old who's one of the best players in the world just disappears for a year and then rocks up at Stockport County in the fourth division. Then he goes to play for Cork Celtic. Then he goes to America and plays for LA Aztecs. Then he rocks up at Fulham, then a second division team. He's still only 30. He's still technically in his physical prime. Plays there two years, goes back to America, spends three years in the States, then ends up at Hibernian, goes back to America for a couple more years. And he plays for Bournemouth, and then he has a little adventure in Australia with the Brisbane Lions. George Best is still, to this day, one of the most enjoyable players to watch a highlight reel of. And he hasn't played in 40 years. And he hasn't played in 50 years. Like, when he left United, he also sort of left competitive football behind him. And there's clips you can find of him at Fulham dribbling past his own teammates, dribbling past referees, tackling his own players, just to have a laugh. No other reason, just to have a laugh. Go and find, you'll find games from the 67, sorry, 76-77 season of him and Rodney Marsh in that Fulham team, tackling each other, trying to take the ball off each other because it was making people laugh, because they were having fun. 
neither of them, in truth, despite the fact that Best won a Ballon d'Or, neither of them lived up to the, what they could have been. We could well have been sat here today talking about George Best as the greatest player to ever live, as Rodney Marsh as England's best ever forward, because they had the ta- that level of talent, but they enjoyed the high life a bit too much. Number three, the guy I've brought in who didn't play um, in the 70s is Gorincha. He just has to be in. He just has to be in. And I don't think I'm going to have to bend that rule, or, well, flat out, flat out shatter that rule for anyone else, really, because Pele did play into the 70s, but I might have to do it for Pele as well, because Pele, Pele has to be in. But Garincha has to be in. Many believe he's the best player Brazil ever produced. Two World Cups. In 62, he's the best player at that World Cup. Wins the Golden Ball and the Golden Boot. First player to do that in a team that won the World Cup. Incredible for Botafogo from 53 up until sort of 1962. After the 1962 World Cup, his career definitely tails off. 29 years of age. His alcoholism just sort of took over. And he had a very sad end to his career and to his life. He was born with one leg considerably longer than the other. His leg also had like a twist in it, caused him an awful lot of pain. He was actually certified as a cripple as a child and overcame all of that to become one of the best players the game has ever seen. Huge financial issues because of his drinking, because he fathered 14 children. But just a phenomenal joy of a footballer. I would advise everybody, just go and watch Gorincha clips. He could make defenders basically run home without touching the ball just with a little fent or an exaggerated step over. Just a phenomenal player. It's such a shame that it ended how it did. But as a a player, I mean, unbelievable. Unbelievable. And his free kicks... Special. Uh, Number four on my list, I've gone Luis Figo, who I still believe is the best Portuguese player I have ever seen. And I said player, not goal scorer, player. Uh, Luis Figo was incredible for Sporting, for Barca, for Real. And then even with Inter in his last years, he was still a great player. Even in his late 30s, he was still unbelievable. Could beat players for fun. Surprisingly quick, considering his build. He was quite big and burly. Not heavy set, but burly. Um, Powerful, incredible technical ability. Just so much fun to watch. Play right side, play left side, play as a 10. I remember watching him 
and Rivaldo playing right wing and left wing respectively destroy Manchester United in the Champions League game with just joy, sheer joy. He was the first Galactico, really. And when he made that move from Barca to Real, he dealt with a lot from the Barca fans, pig's heads and all the rest that were thrown at him. But he was he was amazing for Real. He thrived there. And there was never any there was never any issue for him in terms of performance level. Um, next up on my list then is Jarzinho, another Brazilian. He was the man who replaced Garincha both for Botafogo and then for Brazil. Stupidly talented, stupidly quick, unbelievable dri- dribbler, crazy shot power. Fantastic player. Small, but like properly powerful. Pure muscle, like a right-footed Salah. Great, great player. Played for Botafogo, played for Marseille, played for Kaiser Chiefs, then went back to Brazil. Bounced around a bit then, latter part of his career, a year here, a year there. 83 caps for Brazil across 18 years. 33 goals. Won the World Cup in 70. Was maybe Brazil's best player at that World Cup. Great, great player. Uh, Number six, Jimmy Johnston. Jinky Johnston. Celtic legend. Maybe the best player Celtic have ever had. Won nine consecutive Scottish titles. Won the European Cup. Played for Celtic from 72 to 75. Celtic got all his best years, but he's still entertaining for Shelburne and for Elgin City late, late in his career. Uh, Somehow only won 23 caps for Scotland. And there's this pattern with Scotland where their best players just didn't get capped nearly enough. And I've never fully understood it. Like, Alan Hansen, as an example... 26 caps. He's the one of the three best British defenders of all time. 26 caps. Did Scotland have better defenders than him? I don't think they did. They certainly didn't have better wingers than Jimmy Johnston, and yet he only got 23 caps. Really, really strange goings-on with Scotland in the 60s and 70s. And 80s, to be fair. Graeme Souness is the greatest Scottish player of all time, in my opinion, 54 caps. Don't understand it at all. Should have won 100 caps. I mean, Dennis Law, 55 caps. 16-year career for the national team. Kenny got a solid amount. Kenny got, what, 80? 102. I didn't realise it was that high. But yeah, I mean, Johnston not being capped that many times is just one of those weird things where Scottish football just shot themselves in the foot over and over and over again. Uh, Number seven, I've gone Aryan Robin, personal favourite. Everyone knew what he was going to do every time he got the ball and nobody could stop him. 
pace, surprisingly powerful. I loved how direct he was. Only one thought in mind, go towards goal. I loved him as a left winger early in his career, but obviously most people remember him as a right winger. Uh, Number eight is Bruno Conti, Roma legend. Uh, Played for Roma from 73 to 91. Had a couple of loan spells with Genoa. Somehow only won 37 caps for the Italian national team, which is a scandal, but was part of the Italian national team that won the World Cup in 82, won a league title and five Italian Cups with um, with Roma. Very hard-working player, but incredibly skillful. Quick, left-footed, but could play either side, could use either foot. More more of a proper playmaker from that position than kind of a goal-scoring type, but a genuinely great player. Uh, Next up then, I've gone for David Beckham, who during his career was undeniably overrated, but has now gone completely the other way and is criminally underrated. Criminally underrated. David Beckham was a great player. A truly great player. He wasn't ever, in my view, world class, but he was borderline for a long, long time. Consistently brilliant for United. Won everything there is everything there is to win. Went on to Real. He was better at Real than people remember. And obviously did very, very well with LA Galaxy. Um, had a couple of loans then with Milan and then ended up at PSG when he was to be fair he shouldn't have been playing he, he had he had long since passed his uh his sell by date obviously a great player for England 115 caps was captain for a long time never felt like he should have been captain it was a very weird thing that he was made the England captain he wasn't he wasn't the best player and he certainly wasn't the best leader but he was a great player and David Beckham deserves to be in. And number 10, again, this is maybe a bit of personal bias, maybe a bit of recency, but I've gone with Joaquin because I loved him. I loved watching him play. I loved the fact that he played until he was 42. I loved the fact that he went out on his own terms. He was written off when things didn't go well at Fiorentina for him at age 30, uh, 32 to 34. He signed for Betis. People thought, right, one or two years, and that'll be him. Uh, eight years. Eight years he played there. Played 914 league games in his career. Played 256 games for Betis in his first stint at the club. And when he came back to retire, he ended up playing 272 games. Rarely got hurt. Had would play through injury if need be. I'll never understand what happened between him and the national team. I understand that they didn't really play with wingers, but he was good enough that you bring him as an option, and they just didn't. Joaquin's one of my one of my all time favorites, and my five favorites: Messi, Salah, Figo, Joaquin, and then one that. 
isn't anywhere near this list of best ever or best in the world or whatever was never even the best in the Premier League and probably never even top three in the Premier League. But I loved watching Stuart Ripley play. Loved watching Stuart Ripley play. Came through at Borough, was great for them for seven years, went to Blackburn and was tremendous for them. Vital part of their title-winning team. Direct, like a lesser version of Joaquin. Wasn't looking to do anything fancy. Get the ball, beat the man, get that ball across. Consistently quality delivery. I I was a big fan. Played for Southampton, then had loans at Barnsley and Sheffield United, or Sheffield Wednesday during his time at Southampton and retired in 2002. But there's there's a three to four year spell in the 90s where the start of the 90s, maybe the first four years of the 90s, first five years of the 90s, sorry, where he was great. Two for Borough in the second division, admittedly, and then three years with Blackburn. And then Blackburn as a whole started to tail off. But like that title-winning season, he was brilliant. He didn't score a single goal, but he created so many chances, created so many goals. Only won two caps for England, largely because of the presence of David Beckham and Darren Anderton. And Darren Anderton's another one that was very close to consideration for this list because I was always a fan. He was a little bit overrated at the time, but I always liked him. Another one just to throw in, who I think is one of the great losses that football has had in terms of should have been a truly great player and just didn't become a great player for multiple reasons. Sebastian Deisler. I I still think he might be the most talented German player I've ever seen. He was phenomenal. Came through at at Borussia Mönchengladbach, had one year there, moved to Hertha Berlin and tore his cruciate ligament. Then he got injured again when he came back. And then he found form and was tremendous. And Bayern came in with a big offer for him. Went to Bayern, injured his knee again, and had horrendous time with his his mental health. Suffered significant levels of depression. Uh, Had to be committed is the wrong word, but you know what I mean. Um, into a, into a clinic, came back, couldn't stay fit, damaged his knee again, and basically just kind of gave up at that point on trying to come back. Retired at twenty seven. Such a shame. He was brilliant, like genuinely brilliant. But the injuries forced him to fall out of love with the game. That's such a shame. It really is such a shame. He had so much talent. But just couldn't stay fit. What a shame. 
Right, on to uh, our news. Benjamin Mendy to take former club Manchester City to employment tribunal, claiming he is owed in unauthorised wage deductions. Um, I'd rather not. I'd rather not delve into any more of him. David Seaman says Aaron Ramsdale is too good to be a number two. Um, I mean, yeah, he's he is. He's too good to sit on a bench. He's not good enough to play for a a top club. He just isn't. But he's he's not he's too good to sit on the bench. He he should be starting for you know a bottom half Premier League team. Um if we pull up the Premier League table. I mean there's 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 good goalkeepers, you know, but I do think there's a couple of clubs here that could use him. <clears throat> Obviously not City, not Liverpool, not Arsenal, not Spurs, not Villa. Would I rather have him or, or Onana? I might rather have him than Onana, to be fair. I'd rather have Nick Pope. Um, he's certainly better than Jason Steele, but I would rather have Verbruggen. I'd rather have Ariola. Ramsdale or Robert Sanchez? It's a bit of a coin toss, that one. I think I'd rather have Flecken, even though Ramsdale's best game is better than Flecken's. Ramsdale's worst game is a lot worse than Flecken's, so I'd rather have Flecken. I'd rather have Sa. I'd rather have Dean Henderson. He's better than the Forest goalkeepers. I'd rather have Bert Leno. I'd have him over Neto. He's definitely better than Kaminsky. He's better than Fodderingham. I'd rather have Trafford just because he's younger and you can mould him. But Ramsdale is a better goalkeeper for now. Pickford is the one. Is he better than Pickford? He's just a bigger version of Pickford, isn't he? Pickford's probably got better levels of concentration, so you probably go with Pickford. The ideal move for Aaron Ramsdale will be Nottingham Forest, I think. I think that's the move for him, Nottingham Forest. That's about the level. Um... Right, on to the gossip. Actually, hang on. What's this? Czech Republic boss quits after qualifying. Oh, wow. It's Czech Republic manager, uh, Yaroslav Silhavi, stepped down after securing qualification. Says he'd already decided before the game that he wouldn't continue. Wow. Surprised by that. But I suppose it does give them a bit of time to to prepare. Uh, there's a bit of an Everton. Bit of cry arson going on. You'll have that. Um, right, gossip. Chelsea are considering a big money move for Ivan Tony in the January transfer window. Okay. Chelsea, Manchester City, Manchester United and Newcastle all sent representatives to watch Kvica Kvaratskhelia during their during George's 3-1 defeat by Spain on Sunday. I have a feeling they weren't all there to watch him. Um, Arsenal and Manchester United are among the clubs interested in Marcus Leonardo, whose agent says he will leave Santos in January. Benfica have no plans to enter negotiations with Joe Neves, who has been watched by Manchester United with the players' buyout clause at 105 million says the spoofer with the catchphrase. 
France forward Kylian Mbappe says there will be time to talk about his PSG future as he prepares to enter the final months of his contract. <clears throat> Bayern Munich might consider a move for Raphael Varane. I assume that's just because they've got a bunch of injuries. He has been fairly desperate this season and he wasn't great last season either. Liverpool will not entertain offers for Luis Diaz, uh, despite re- reports in Spain that they might sanction a swap deal for Rafinha. I think I would sanction that swap deal personally, uh, but I would certainly be open to a sale if they could get Kvitsa or Neto. Um, Peter Rourke wouldn't know either way. <clears throat> Bayer Leverkusen manager Xabi Alonso does not have a release clause in his contract, allowing him to join one of his former teams. This club CEO has said amid reports he could move to Liverpool, Real Madrid or Bayern Munich. Well, it just means clubs would have to pay to buy him out of his deal. Tottenham are ready to offer Roma £26 for Brian Cristante. No, they're not. That is nonsense. Uh, Manchester United are planning to replace John Murtaugh as part of the significant changes that which will accompany Sir Jim Ratcliffe's investment in the club. That makes sense. Tottenham are unhappy with Everton's claim they refuse that their refusal to pay 80 million for Richarlison caused the Toffees to breach the Premier League. Such nonsense. Everton claiming that they could have got 80 million for him. And the whole world looking at Spurs paying 60 and going, What are you doing? That's way too much. West Ham are said to be furious. Furious, I say. Amid fears, Mikel Antonio has suffered a long-term injury on international duty with Jamaica. Trust me, West Ham, that's a good thing. He has been garbage this season. Uh, Girona director Kike Carcel says the club would be keen to sign Ariel Romeo. Um, I understand why Romeo made that move. Number one, it's Barcelona. You came through their academy and they're one of the biggest clubs in the world. But you had a good thing going at Girona. You should have stayed at Girona. And this season, well, Girona are pretty special. Top of the league. Not exactly missing out on Ariel Romeo. With some names that you will remember, including Paolo Gazaniga, who they signed from Fulham in the summer trans window. Jan Kuto in on loan from Manchester City. Pablo Torre, super talented young attacking midfielder. In on loan from Barcelona. Daily Blind is there. Yanhel Herrera is there permanently now. He's a quality player. Eric Garcia is in on loan. Uh, Jon Salis is in from Atletico Nacional. Uh, Porto, who was at Hitafe, was a good player. It's a talented group. It's a talented group. Keep an eye on Jon Salis, the Colombian midfielder, though. He is one to watch over the next couple of years. Um, that'll do, folks. I will speak to you all tomorrow. Team of the year, team of the season so far, nostalgia. Take care of yourselves. Bye-bye.
Social Podcast Network.